Warning, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that did make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisnyaks. Listeners, it is my absolute pleasure and delight today to introduce an artist, a singer, most importantly for this show, an author, Maya McGregor. Maya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Glad Absolutely. to be here. Uh, I've been, like, I don't know, probably wanting to have you on the show for at least the last two years or so so oh my god (laughs) um and i also like i think you're the first person you're certainly the first scott to be on the show i think you're the first person from that particular island excellent Uh, so uh yes hello welcome (laughs) Thank you. I am, um, I am very scattered this morning. It's, it's Monday. Honestly, we're recording this on a Monday. so We're recording this on a Monday. Time is fake. Mondays are, unfortunately, extremely real. Yep. They really are. They They're shouldn't the worst. be. But they are. Yeah. Banned. <laughs> uh, so, Maya, you're going to be reading to us from The Many Half-Lived Lives of Sam Sylvester. Is there anything we need to know before we go in? Um, I don't think so in particular. It's um, it's a YA uh, mystery, and um, it's really close to my heart. I actually wrote it in 2017 and um, thought it was going to be trunked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of had made the rounds and had gotten a lot of rejections on the autistic and non-binary axes, which was painful. Yeah, um, mood, but, mood. Yeah. But um, it got picked up in 2019 um, by Astra Books for Young Readers, which was um, Boyd Mills Kane at the time. And um, I've just, I'm so excited to get to share this book with the world. It's, it's the first YA I've written. Um, our protagonist, Sam Sylvester, is um, autistic, non-binary, um, and has been through an immense trauma and has moved to a new city uh, mm-hmm. with their dad following that. So the first chapter introduces Sam and their wonderful, wonderful dad, Junius, and I am really excited to share it with you. Fantastic. Well, ready when you are. Fab. Chapter one. The first time I see the house, it's as it swallows my father. I count to three. Dad's strategy for doing the thing I'm not ready to do. and make myself look up. The sound of something rattling in a hastily packed box behind me has stopped. I've carefully kept my eyes on my phone, scrolling Tumblr, but I can't avoid it anymore. I sit here watching the motes of dust drift in the slanting afternoon light. The front door is even ringed in red like a mouth. Not a bloodied mouth, nothing monstrous. Nor are the two dormer windows at the top in any way aggressive. They droop. The house looks like it tried, but Hmm. that it found whatever it tried just too hard and it quit. 
I can kind of relate to that. New house, new city, new school. Again. I hope I do better than the house did. <laughs> Sam! Dad sticks his head out the door to holler. You've got to come see this place. He's so excited about it. I've seen pictures, of course, but he insists I don't do it justice. I push a lock of lavender-swirled hair out of my face and open the car door. Outside, the wind is chilly and I'm amazed that I can smell the ocean. The salt tang to the air and the brisk winter wind wakes me right up. I shouldn't be surprised to smell the sea. It surrounds Astoria on all sides. There's even a damn palm tree in the yard next door. Aren't mm -hmm. we fancy? I like it. There's no one around, but it's Wednesday afternoon, so I guess people are still at work. Just as I think it, I see a person with a backpack covered in She-Ra and Steven Universe patches and pride mm -hmm. flags, and they turn the corner onto our new street. I'm pretty sure I feel their eyes on me as they look over their shoulder, and I hurriedly turn away, even though I want to know if I saw right. <laughs> I thought I saw the telltale pink, purple, blue of the bi flag. I don't want to get my hopes up. Maybe I didn't see what I thought I did. It was just a glance. I'm used to being the only queer in the room. The only one who was out, anyway. And in Portland, I was still too terrified to even register that wasn't true anymore. Tapping my thumb against my iPhone screen, I trot up the few steps to the house. I close my eyes on the top step. The floors over the threshold are dark hardwood, maybe walnut. Even from here I get a whiff of newish paint, fading but not gone. The foyer is mostly offset by pale light coming through the windows. The house is oriented north-south, and I wonder what it'll be like in the golden hour if the sun ever really comes out here. Mm. I can see it behind my eyes, all warm orange turning the dust motes to sparks instead of sparkles. Sam! Dad calls my name again. He's upstairs from the sound of it. I open my eyes and let the house swallow me too, stepping over the threshold. The house echoes around my footsteps. It's a strange sound, like I'm descending into a cave. We have zero furniture. There's supposedly a truck from Ikea coming in the next day or so, but for now, my feet on the stairs feel heavy, so heavy their thumps should be heard by the ocean and its waves three streets away. I put one hand on the banister as I climb the stairs and my trepidation grows. Like the sea wind or a wave at the change of the tide, it washes over me and retreats, slipping back into the deep. At the top of the stairs is Dad, leaning on the railing. He's a smidge taller than I am, around six feet. I'm still not used to seeing him without his locks surrounding his warm brown face, always in contrast to my pale white skin and dirty blonde hair that's more half-hearted wave than Dad's gorgeous tight coils. <laughs> he cut the locks off for his new job. I said I didn't want him to cut them. He said they were heavy in giving him migraines with extra pressure under his hard hat, plus his hairline's receding and he's self-conscious about it. And then he chased me around the apartment after I buzzed his head. The downstairs neighbours pounded on their ceiling to tell us how much they appreciated that. <laughs> he laughed at the time, but I think Dad had more mixed feelings than he let on, and the silliness was him trying to hide it. He's worn locks since I was little, and while I know it was his choice and his reasons, I think he felt the weight of more than hair once it was done. <laughs> Did you see the palm tree? I ask. It feels important that he knows it's there. Palm trees are vacations and sun-drenched shores, and this move is neither of those things. But the tree seems hopeful anyway. I did, I did. Dad grins at me. Not quite a tropical paradise, but I thought you'd like it. Come see your room. 
I follow, trailing my hand along the banister. It looks like it's been freshly sanded and re-varnished, the same dark wood as the floor. My fingertips stick slightly on the smooth surface. I think if I bent over, I could see my face in the glossy reflection. Hmm. He's giving me the biggest room. He insists that he's too lazy to climb stairs to get to bed, and his smaller room has an ensuite, which just means he gets his own bathroom. And when I walk into my new room, a little shock goes through me. The room is huge. The windowsill directly ahead of me spans both dormers, almost a window seat, and is a solid two feet deep. The upper bit rises straight along the outermost edges of the windows and then curves inward to meet a little point like the peak on top of an ice cream cone. Mm. Walking to one of the walls, it's almost too bright to look at. It's white. White, white, not eggshell or cream. <laughs> it looks and feels hastily done. There's even a seam visible. Dad would be mortified if his crew you did this. I wrap my knuckles on it and a hollow sound greets me. When I touch the paint, I take a step backward, the way I saw a kid do once at the IGA supermarket when he called a woman mom and she turned around and it was a stranger. <laughs> a thrill buzzes up the length of my spine, an echo of a premonition I hadn't even articulated in thought enough to consider being right. Someone did cover up something here. Hmm. It's not the sound of the hollow echo that startles me, but the feel of it. Like instead of wood, my knuckles have touched an electric current or the ghost of one. I mm. fight the urge to pick at the seam, to dig into the wall, to be able to touch whatever is waiting behind it. What do you think? Dad gestures around with a flourish and I spin around to look at him. He had his back to me and must have missed my movement. Mm. You're gonna be Emperor Sam up here. <laughs> I wrap my knuckles against the wall again, harder this time, trying to ignore the way it sends a little shockwave zipping up and down my fingers. <laughs> yeah, definitely hollow. I want in there. I can't figure out what's waiting if I can't touch it and this crappily done wall is in the way. Dad watches as I circle him, knocking on each wall. <laughs> Sometimes I knock a few times, listening to the variations in sound. I find a rhythm, hollow at hip level, fading into shallower sounds in both directions, then back out to hollow again. Dad doesn't say anything. He's <laughs> used to me by now. You can be yourself here, kid, Dad says. I think he means what I'm doing right now knocking on walls like the weirdo I am. <laughs> I wonder if what he says is true. For one glorious moment, my universe expands like his words sparked a big bang. It could be me, really me, for the first time. Maybe figure out who the hell that even is. The moment contracts as quickly as it expanded. I pull my hand back and I tap my fingernails hurriedly against my palms, dimming. There's shells behind the walls, I think, I tell Dad. He gives a little start at my words, then looks around. He's used to me not responding to emotional things, too. Hmm. Walking over, he knocks lightly on one panel, and sure enough, it gives that same hollow echo a little too deep for it to just be regular drywall and beams. Like I said. Huh, he says. He doesn't question, but he does look at the wall a bit closer. He gives an offended sniff at the shoddy crafting of that wonky seam and mutters, Previous owners attempted DIY, maybe. After a moment, he beams at me. It'll be a good project for us to open them up if you want. He looks so eager that even if I didn't want to, I'd agree. Besides, now that he's seen that seam, I wouldn't be surprised to wake up with him fixing it in the middle of the night. It's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> I return his smile. Damn right. Don't say damn. Darn tootin'. That's worse. Say damn. <laughs>
His phone goes off downstairs playing the Imperial March from Star Wars. Uh-oh. BRB. He lopes out the door and thumps down the stairs, calling at me. Sam, no neighbour, Ciela is now. So you say, I call back. I haven't seen him this happy in I don't know how long. I trail my hand around on the wall, feeling the uneven paint and the thrill just out of reach. My fingertips buzz against the paint like I'm touching one of those lightning balls you find at novelty shops. I can almost see where the drywall bows a bit between the shelves beneath it. There's something there, something for me to find. And this room is mine. New town, new house, even a seemingly new dad. Hope to hell it goes better than last time. I pass the time waiting for Dad's return by lying flat on my back in the middle of my new room, staring at the ceiling and trying not to scratch my still new sleeve tattoo. <laughs> the tattoo was a deal when I turned 18. Dad said I could get one if I passed pre-calc, but <laughs> I think it was also his way of giving me agency over my body after what happened in Montana. <laughs> and I don't think even Dad knows what it all means, the designs I chose, even though he went with me to all my consults and listened to me talk to the artist. I'm not even sure I know what all of it means. The top half from my shoulder to elbow is watercolour, the Aurora Borealis. Throughout, the colours are black designs, a bird molting feathers that bleed into ink splotches, a constellation, a tree that becomes roots that become a fan of swords at the crook of my elbow. Elbow to wrist is more watercolour, but this time water, water, like colours of water. A raven swimming at my wrist, wings splayed, they're all familiar images to me, even if they dissolve like the northern lights in the sky when I chase them. Trying to mm -hmm. figure out weirdness is an ongoing thing in my life. <laughs> like this room. Something about the room unsettles me. Not in an Amityville way, something <laughs> else. Lying there alone, for a moment I'm suspended. It feels like this place wants something from me. Probably just my vivid imagination, or whatever my teachers called it before Dad got me my proper autism diagnosis. Or my histories, which my therapist in Missoula said were autism-related special interests. You know, like that show with the autistic kid who knows every single Pokemon. That's not always what it looks like, obviously. We're not all the same. For me, it's finding the stories of teens who died too young. Some of my tattoos for them. That I can never tell Dad. I didn't even want to tell my therapist. I just had to explain my histories and how they started before the attack, not after, since she naturally assumed it was me almost dying that made me obsessed with teen deaths. Nope. <laughs> I swallow as the scar on my neck twinges. Dad comes back so quietly, even I don't hear him until he scuffs his foot on the door jamb. Hmm. He stops in the doorway and I meet his eyes without lifting my head from the floor. After a moment, he walks over. He lies down too, bumping the top of his head against the top of mine. Bad news, he says. Is it the furniture people? Yep. Are they bringing us a stampede of unpotty trained puppies? <laughs> nope. How would that be possibly be bad news? Dad throws his hands in the air as if I've said something outrageous. Stampeded by puppies is a life goal. <laughs> Puppies pissing shit all over, and not cute little poop emojis, but puppies are cute, I guess, and hardwood's easier to clean than carpet. Sam, Dad says, practice not swearing before we go meet your principal tomorrow. <laughs> fine, fine. The floor is still nice and cool against my back. My hands explore it, palms down, fingers finding the cracks between the floorboards. 
So what's the real bad news? Holiday season, hold up. They're coming a few days late. So you're saying we've got plenty of time to knock down some walls before they get here. <laughs> I can feel his quiet chuckle because it shakes his head against mine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Dad's quiet for a moment. You still okay about the new school thing again? He says again because it's the second one this year. It's not really a normal thing for us moving. This time I'm quiet, long enough for Dad to go. Sam? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, okay as I can be. I don't need to say that out loud for him to know what I mean. <laughs> the principal sounds very supportive, he says. And Oregon's not Montana. Mm. I know. I do know. But kids are kids and teenagers are teenagers. And that's the same anywhere you go. Especially these days when all sorts of ugly is ready to stamp all over our progress toward ever-elusive equality. Mm. I feel it then, that tightness in my throat that comes with the mention of Montana. More than just my scar getting twitchy, my muscles tighten around my eye, and I don't try to stop the movement in my face. It's just me and Dad here. I ball my hands, pressing my nails into my palm in quick flutters. Dad scrambles up behind me. I look at him upside down. Come on, he says. We're going to unload the car, and then we're going to set up our egg crates and sleeping bags, and then we are going to go for a walk to see... He pauses to stare at me melodramatically. <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> I can't help the small bounce I do. Dad is good at this, giving me direction, expectations, especially because tomorrow will be stressy and even he can't tell me how it will go. Dad notices the bounce and grins wider. He has learned to tune himself to my frequency. He keeps me busy for the rest of the day and into the night and we explore Astoria from the stretch of sandy beaches and slate grey water. I love the hypnotic sound of the waves, real waves, not just my white noise machine, to the small downtown with tourist shops that are sleepy and unrushed since it's the off season, despite the Christmas lights everywhere. <laughs> By the time I lie down on my egg crate in the two echoey room, I am actually exhausted enough to fall asleep immediately for once. I don't know how falling asleep is for the rest of the world, but for me, it's like stepping into a tunnel of silver white mist with the aurora behind it. That's the one part of my tattoo I get in full. Coloured lights flicker through this tunnel and I'm here, I'm present. I know what lies beyond the mist even if I can't touch it. I can taste it. Some nights, most nights, that's all there is. Not tonight. I'm back in Yardree, listening to my old principal tell Dad that they don't have enough evidence to expel the kids. Just like the cops said they didn't have enough evidence to bring charges against them. He says, I'm sorry, it's not as simple as accepting Sam's word that she recognised Barry Boys and Shirley Tanner. We need evidence. My dad is still, so still I can feel his fury. I can't talk because my throat is swollen. I want to open my mouth and scream until my jaw unhinges and I can eat this principal whole. The way he says the Barry boys as if he's not their uncle makes me want to vomit. This was a hate crime, my dad says softly, and you will use my child's correct pronouns. Dad's the only black man in a white as a blizzard town and everything he does here is quiet, soft, because to everyone around us his very existence is loud, even as the white folks here proclaim how they're so not racist. <laughs> How could they be when they haven't run our interracial family out of town? And besides, and I've literally heard people say this, they can't be racist when everyone's white, right? 
We stayed because Dad loved his mountains and his job. Our ten acres in the foothills of the sapphires were his sanctuary. Until they couldn't be mine. But Dad, his words hold the intensity of a supernova, and I love him for it. The principal's mouth starts moving, but I don't hear a word he says. I'm seven years old again, and it's the first time I ever see Dad. He comes into the foster home with the social workers, and when I see him, I know. He looks at me, and something ignites in me, something fierce and bright, and everything at once. I know he doesn't just see a ragged little white kid with shaggy dishwater hair who people think can't talk. He looks at me in my Led Zeppelin shirt and my hair and my face, and he saves me. In that moment, he looks at me and something in his shoulders loosens, something in his face softens. He takes me out of that place and the first thing I ever say to him on my eighth birthday is thank you. Hmm. I'm 16 and I'm not Sam Sylvester. I'm 16 and I'm not Sam Sylvester. I reach for my name but I can't find it even though I think I should know it. It feels hmm. close, present like the scent of the sea and the wind and just as unattainable. I'm surrounded by books and David Bowie's voice and laughter that lightning zings back and forth between me and someone I can't quite see. They are backlit with the sun, the outline of curls, the only thing in the haze. Golden light pours through the double dormers and the room is filled with hazy giggles that fade as soon as they begin. Mm -hmm. I swallow and cough and then that laughter turns to a gasp, my gasp. My throat is itchy and tight and I fall to my knees and I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Light fades from my eyes into red and purple flashes. Sam, breathe! I gasp a breath big enough to drain the room of air. Dad has me, my arms crossed over my chest, holding me in a tight cocoon. The back of my head throbs. I gasp again, then again. Hey, Sammy, it's okay. It's okay. The hall light is on, cutting a golden swath into my room. I flail for a moment, my brain belatedly processing Dad's words. Breathe in, he says, and I do. Breathe out, I do that too. He breathes with me. This is a ritual we've repeated far too often. This is why I will never understand how people think family is as common as blood. To me, family is breath. It's trusting the person beside you to demand your right to air in a world that would take it from you. It's the vulnerability of feeling someone's chest move in a careful rhythm to give you your own back. Dad and I both know this fear for different reasons. His mom died of lung cancer when he was a kid. Hmm. Slowly, he releases his grip and lowers me to the floor. I'm all the way off my little egg crate pallet and at first I think it's the floor's fault my head's throbbing but when I see Dad wince, he rubs his cheekbone. Sh shit, Dad, your cheek! Alarmed, I scramble to sitting position. My chest is still full of my rattling heartbeat. I try another slow breath. It's okay, Sammy, I've had worse. He waggles his tongue through the hole where his eye tooth was. Got knocked out before I was born. He wears a plate during the day. I'll live. I swallow, trying to keep my heart from swinging up on my uvula. This was worse than the other ones, and he knows it. What time is it, I ask. The sky's still dark, but that means nothing in December. Hmm. No idea. Dad sits back and leans on his hands while I check my phone. It's five to seven, I say. Do you want to talk about it? The time? 
This time I'm being purposely literal, but Dad doesn't smile. Sam, I don't answer. Okay, Dad says, and with him I know he means it. Some people say that to preface them changing tactics, but not Dad. Want to see if we can find a decent breakfast place? I nod at him. Sweat drips between my shoulder blades, tickling. This time I help him up off the floor and he mimes a broken back. Skull emoji, I say wryly. I'm going to shower. Meeting's at nine, right? Do we have time? Half past nine, and I hope so. Be quick. I'll meet you downstairs in 30. I have to go downstairs myself to grab my toiletries and clean clothes. In the shower, I wash quickly, scrubbing my face and throat as if I can wash away the dual nightmares. One was me. Sam. I lived it last year. The other... I don't let myself think about it. It's too weird. I collect stories of kids who died before 19. When I was younger, that seemed like the threshold between childhood and adulthood. Kids who got sick, kids who got killed, kids whose own brains told them to die. I feel like someone should remember them. That dream, that had to be the one from Astoria, from the 80s, kid named Billy, though I couldn't remember his name in the dream. My special interest happened before my attack. She used to tell me I was morbid. But I just thought someone should know the stories of kids who don't get to grow into adults. I thought they deserved to be seen the way Dad saw me. I dress myself methodically. Black boxer briefs made of softest modal. A binder Dad had made special for me. Tatry jeans, long silky tank top. Long cowl neck sweater with a jagged asymmetrical hem. Black eyeliner, a smudge of silver at the edges of my eyes. Dad insisted I get new things when we left Montana. I'm half surprised he didn't set my old stuff on fire. (laughs) I did the shopping at thrift stores, but Portland had that market cornered. I think Dad was a little surprised at the direction I took, but looking like a badass makes me feel safer. (laughs) I used to just wear old band t-shirts and jeans, but now every piece of cloth I put on my body is is a choice, girding myself in armour for the day. I shop by touch before looks, but I'm good at finding the exact right thing. The softness of the sweater, the beaten to pliable texture of the denim, the intentional constriction of the binder, it's all for me. No one else. I throw a little pomade onto my hair and toss it around until it waves the way I want it to, the lavender and pale green and silver grey strands weaving together. They all fall down over my right ear and expose the shaved left side of my head. I run my fingertips over the stubble, enjoying the sensation. Dad's going to have to buzz it again soon on both sides and probably touch up the die before school starts in January. He does construction management for a living, but I sometimes think he missed his calling as a hairdresser. (laughs) Dad finds us the diner and I get an enormous Belgian waffle covered in strawberries that are probably more sugar than fruit. Dad gets biscuits and gravy with a side of hash browns. Mm. Want some carbs with your carbs? I ask him over the rockabilly music playing too loudly on the speakers. You're one to talk. He holds up his coffee mug and I reach out with my orange juice. To new beginnings. To new beginnings, I echo, clinking my glass against his mug. Halfway through my waffles, I get that low belly slip and remember what today's about. Remembering my therapist telling me to pay attention to what I feel in my body, I let myself feel it for a moment. But all I really feel is silly. Hmm. Is this anxiety? If Dad notices me poking at a strawberry with my fork, he doesn't say anything. Eventually, I choke the rest of my breakfast down, sopping up some liquefied whipped cream with my last hunk of waffle. I don't want to do this again, this whole meet the principal thing. 
This time, Dad seems to sense it. If it doesn't work out here, we'll work something else out for your senior year. My head jerks up from where I'm staring at my smeared plate. What? If public school's too much, we'll figure out something. Homeschool or any number of other options. You could probably even pass your GED if you needed to, but I'd rather we try for your diploma. That'll make things easier for you in the long run. Holy. Dad, I stop. What's that thing he always says? We'll cross that bridge when the Pope... Don't finish that one. His smile's only half wattage, but he stopped me from saying shits in the woods out loud. Just wanted you to know it's on my mind. That's the end of chapter one. I love that. Yay. I love oh, Sam. Sam's great. I love Sam Sam's too. great. I... <laughs> I... Like... Sam's the sort of person I wish I'd had in, in books when I was a teen. That was that was really the impetus for writing Sam, was that I wrote, I wrote the book I wish I'd had when mm-hmm. I was Sam's age. So, yeah. It's definitely a story that's really close to my heart and I hope that people connect with that. Absolutely. Uh, I realized right after we started your reading that I would be remiss to not mention that we have had one other, well, an English person, not a Scot, on the show, uh, Jennifer Mace, but she joined us from Seattle, so it's not quite the same. (laughs) Yes, I do know, I do know Jennifer, so. Um, so I, I, I know before we got started that we talked a lot about that there were so many rounds of edits. Uh, do you have a favorite thing from this release that just didn't make it to the final cut? Um, I don't think so. There was a lot moved around, but mm-hmm. not a lot got cut. In fact, the book actually grew about <laughs> 25,000 words over the editing process. So it went from about 75,000 words to close to 100. So I think more the other way around. It got, <laughs> got I mean, as a chronic underwriter, I 100% <laughs> identify with that. That's definitely my way of things as well. It's just bare bones and then I've got to get mm-hmm. some meat on them. <laughs> what do people look like? What do places look like? I don't know. <laughs> That's not important. Uh, I, I usually at least, you know, pin down those things, but I tend to just... <laughs> Sorry, there's the, the cat. The cat is scratching at something she's not meant to be scratching. Tara, <laughs> stop. Tara, why you do? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I was going to say was that I tend to um, sort of sketch things in, but then I need to go back and add details. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the connective tissue sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So be like, great, we've got some description, but you also need to um, actually make sure that this is intelligible to people outside of your own brain. Uh-huh. Very, very mood. Very, very mood. Um, so I know that there are a lot of things in this book that are close to your heart. Without giving too much away, do you have a favorite thing that you did get to leave in on this um, let's see here. 
there's a wee moment um, that I don't think was ever in any danger of getting cut because it's mm-hmm. a fairly pivotal moment, but between Sam and their love interest and um, there's a line that let's see, uh, I probably can't pull it up and I'm not sure if I have it memorised, but um, something like I feel like all of the waves of the ocean could crash upon our shore and I would be unmoved. And, Jesus Christ, Maya. <laughs> and that's sort of the, yeah, that's that's one of my favourite lines in the book. Um, that's pretty close to it. I'm not exactly sure what the verbatim is, mm-hmm. but um, it was really, a, this. The, a lot of early reviews have said that Sam is, Tara, stop. <laughs> Just is like going from one corner to the other of the carpet <laughs> and scratching at it. Do you want to come sit on the lap? Is that what you want? Hi, Tara. Say hello. She's got the zoomies. <laughs> AKA when mum's on Zoom and she has to do important cat things. Important cat Very things important like cat scratching at stuff when you're not supposed to. She's so angry at me. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like... <laughs> in face of an indignant fluff. <laughs> For listeners who do not have the benefit of this Zoom, Tara is an extremely floofy ginger tabby. Yes, should I should I also send cat pictures to put on the I podcast? Think, <laughs> I think we deserve cat pictures. Yeah, special guest. <laughs> special guest. This one. Listeners, um, cat pictures will be in the show notes. <laughs> um, what was I saying before I was interrupted interrupted by Tara and um, her tail? I don't remember. It's. Oh yes, uh, oh, I was saying. Excellent. I remember. Yes, uh, I remember. A lot of reviewers have been saying that the book blends and transcends genres, which, which I I love that I'm getting away with. Um, uh-huh. uh, but there, I, there's a really sweet romance, and it's it's definitely a, a book that has some darker bits. But it's the overall tone is optimistic, and mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to write. A story where, um, where the queer characters are are just really celebrated and allowed to be joyful. Um, mm-hmm. So, I I really love that about this story. So, mm-hmm. and I hope people will love them as much as I do. I I mean I already love them, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to this book. I also love that we're going from uh, our our March episodes of this show were queer horror, and now we're going into queer joy. Yay! Yeah, this is definitely like it's definitely a mystery, um, but also uh, it's it's got a lot of wholesome, <laughs> mm-hmm. just wholesome queer love, which I feel like is something we need right now it's definitely some sort some sort of feeling to have this book mm-hmm. launching as certain states are about to ban books like this um yeah so that's a whole thing yep but i am 
ready to be defiantly here. Yeah. I I'm I'm just so excited for there to be queer autistic non-binary characters being not just like a background character but like the star of the show. Yeah. Like I've got um sort of a they're not the same series or anything but I've got another one that I'm really hoping gets picked up um that is also a queer non-binary um autistic character so um, fantastic I'm really hoping hoping about that I actually have two I've written um another one that's more more fantasy fantasy this one's got some paranormal elements to it but um mm-hmm. but I've got a a more like contemporary fantasy as well so um ready to fill the shelves with yes queer autists (laughs) yes uh so you in addition to the many half-lived lives of sam sylvester which is coming out shortly uh we also have from you under another name look to the sun we do uh, can you talk a little bit about that book? Yeah, um, so Lake to the Sun is, um, it's been compared to The Man in the High Tower, uh, and um, it was really heavily influenced by um, Carlos Reisafon's The Shadow of the Wind, which is a beautiful mm. book that isn't fantasy but feels like it. It's just mm-hmm. this um, beautiful like Barcelona gothic. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it feels it's so that's so It's a good. thing now. It's a thing <laughs> now, yeah. It. Zafon made it a thing. Um and um this it, uh, that book I have a lot of really complicated feelings about. It's it's one of my favourite things that I've ever written. Um and when it came out in twenty sixteen it came out the week after Trump got elected. Whoa. And um, it sank like a stone, like mm-hmm. absolutely sank below the surface. Um, and the book is about um, a city that has been under the control of the fascist party for about 15 years. And they are really starting to ramp up their grip on the people and escalate Oof. to violence. And um, it's a very queer story as well. Um, it's a polyamorous triad romance um but it's only two povs it's uh uh rose and bayo's povs only um but Mm -hmm. it's set in a second world that's a queer norm world like there are like different types of families like rose's aunties are is a like polyamorous lesbian triad and mm-hmm. one of them's transgender like <laughs> you know it's just it. yes yes um and so obviously when the book came out it was like bad timing really bad timing mm-hmm. and my publisher wanted to do a second edition to try and give it give it a new sort of reception that it didn't get mm-hmm. the first time so um we decided to do that this year and as it happened, I was doing first pass pages on it in January of 2021. Woof. So that was an, the that was a thing that happened. That was definitely a thing that happened. Yeah, I ended up having to write an entire afterword for it because I was just like, I can't, I can't not, <laughs> like, I can't uh-huh. not talk about this. This is like literally 
help. How am I supposed to process this without talking about all the things that happened around it? Yeah, and it's definitely one of those, like, feelings where I didn't feel like I was, you know, being some sort of precog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am, like, my, my degrees in history, I spent most of that time, like, studying in Poland, really heavily concentrated on the Second World War, the Holocaust, mm-hmm. really dark, dark stuff. Um, and when, you know, like, definitely watched things happening in the US and saw that coming. So it was just mm-hmm. sort of, yeah, just definitely a very strange feeling to have written a book that, like, is still really close to home and it came out again in October and got my first ever starred review Sam Sylvester got the second one um, we love to see it <laughs> uh, I was really really delighted to see to see that and um and like it briefly outsold Dune on um barnesandnoble.com so that fantastic which especially like right around the release of Dune yeah it was literally like, that week so I was like absolutely floored that 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 found found an audience this time um but yeah that book like i feel like i've got i've had some weird timing with books over the last few mm-hmm. years and i think in terms of you know we talk about novels that have sort of you know, it's the trunk cast uh-huh. um like i have a bunch of novels that i've written and like right now my two the two books i've had that have gotten the most like the best critical reception and the like re- mm-hmm. so far reached the widest audiences and like our books that I wrote years ago <laughs> like <laughs> you know publishing moves slowly but also like you know mm-hmm. five to seven years is still is, is is a bit long on that side of things even yeah like, that's, a, that's a grip yeah so it's it's interesting to see sort of the aspect of you know things I did many years ago sort of now we're in 2022 and I'm like, I'm, I'm writing, writing other, other stuff and, uh-huh. and oh, oh, you want to talk about these now? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, time is fake, so. Time is fake, that's true. So I'd love to know if there's anything that you've been reading, listening to, watching, anything like that, that you've been really interested, uh, really, really into recently and would really like to hype up for our listeners. I would actually. So I am going to um, definitely be that autistic person and mention one of my special interests along with this. But um, two books I read recently I read The Death of Jane Lawrence by Caitlin Starling. I love. I and I mean, talk about autistic books also. Yes, also, yeah, that was another reason I really wanted to bring that one up. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of like gothic in general. And so mm-hmm. I read that. Uh, and then I also read a um, Scottish Gothic, contemporary Ooh. Scottish Gothic called um, Pine by Francine Toon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that one was really gorgeous. Um, it's set in rural Scotland and mm-hmm. the, there's two main POV characters. One is a young girl um, and one is her dad. And... Um, the girl's mother vanished when she was wee and mm-hmm. so this definitely has some sort of women in white 
trends to it and disappearances and small town rumoury things and it, it was really really beautifully written and um so i really enjoyed that and then i've been reading a lot of non-fiction um mm -hmm. and one of the the books i'm slowly i'm working my way through it because i want to really savor it it's um the hidden life of trees by um peter volleb oh, and yeah and it's it's just absolutely gorgeous it's one of those books you read and it changes the way you look at the world like mm -hmm. i always you you know we know that trees are alive mm -hmm. but this book really goes into what that means for them and that they feel pain they can see like they are able to sense light obviously like mm -hmm. they communicate with one another they send signals they protect each other uh, it's fascinating like it's such a beautiful it's book so cool um yeah so that's those are the main things i've been reading i've also um been really burnt out the last couple of months fair and so i've just been sort of mainlining pretty little liars which i totally missed nice. a decade ago um <laughs> and while there's definitely bits that do not hold up like mm -hmm. thinking about age-appropriate relationships uh -huh. uh, particularly that go completely undiscussed and unexamined um <laughs> there's that but i'm really really enjoying certain aspects of the show that are really um interrogating the idea of who do we tell the truth to and why mm -hmm. do we withhold it and that's been a really fascinating aspect of reading that so it's it's making wheels turn i think i'm finally getting getting some of my mojo back when it comes to writing <laughs> again so. fantastic it, it's so interesting and so fun how like different pieces of media and things can like get our brains working uh, i'm i'm right now i just like mainlined the first three Earthsea books, and then was like, okay, I've done that. I have the rest of them. I have the, like, enormous brick of a book that's the Collected Earthsea with illustrations by Charles Vess that's a, a gorgeous artifact in addition to being, you know, some of the best books ever written, probably. But I got to the end of The Farthest Shore, and I was like... I need nonfiction. I need nonfiction right now. And so I picked up uh, this anthropological study uh, from like oh, 2013, 2014, something like that, uh, called Hacker, Hoaxer, Whistleblower, Spy, that's about Anonymous and like their activist activities from the mid teen early mid teens and like late aughts and it's really fascinating because it's like oh yeah they did like there are people under the name anonymous who are you know still doing like activism stuff and also yeah. like 2016 totally changed how people thought about like anonymous and 4chan because it went back, like, even more so than before, it went to being, like, the absolute asshole of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those, 
those are always really interesting to read and I feel like things have also changed so quickly in the last few years particularly that mm-hmm. when when you read something even a few years old and you're just sort of like this is interesting in hindsight <laughs> like, yeah. I have another uh I, I was trying to choose between this and one other nonfiction book I just got recently and and chose this one because I had it in softback and wanted to be able to like lie down with a book over my head instead of like dropping a book on my face but the other book that I have that like I want to read immediately after I I finish this one partly because it's related and partly because it will go out of date otherwise is uh oh I can't remember the title of it it'll be in the show notes listeners but it's a uh book that was recommended to me by friend of the show Nina Niskanen about uh nation states hoarding cyber weapons and I'm like you know this was probably written like a year two years ago published very recently and now we have this whole thing, you know, at the at the time of the of recording, Russia invaded Ukraine, like more so than the annexation of Crimea. Russia invaded Ukraine like two, three weeks ago. Yeah, full on and, war. Yeah. yeah, and like, you know, who when this episode goes live in the beginning of April, who knows what that will look like? But yeah. like. It's it's wild. It is absolutely yeah. wild. And I'm really looking forward to reading this book both as, like, related to my day job work and also just, like, because it is sort of, you know, where the where the world is going. Yeah, yeah. It's I find, like, a lot of the things I've been reading, like, online in terms of longer essays and stuff like that have have been really good both like throughout the pandemic in terms of you know interrogating you know prolonged trauma and ambiguous loss Mm -hmm. that we have and the sort of loss of certain rituals like I lost a very dear friend um at um like at the end of the summer in 2021 2020 um and I've, I've been thinking about it because it's now 2022. He didn't have a funeral because he didn't want one. Um, mm-hmm. But he did tell my choir, who I'm seeing tonight, um, to, you know, throw a, a big to-do and we could. And we still haven't been able to. And it's mm-hmm. it's this sort of thing where, you know, even I remember in those early days of the pandemic when we were all just like face down in a sofa with Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there were those early sort of pieces about you know prolonged trauma and collective trauma and these sorts of things and now here we are going on roll on year three Mm -hmm. and and sort of seeing you know where it feels like just someone hit a pause button on so many different things um Mm -hmm. and we are trying to figure out how to navigate now especially with a sort of dual realities that are happening (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um yeah like i've i haven't been reading a ton of like books in the sense of current events but um i've been reading a lot of natural natural 
world things. Um, I also have Entangled Life on my TBR, which I'm really excited oh, about. Uh-huh. So, like, going from trees to talking about their fungi counterparts, and that should be mm-hmm. really interesting to see because they interface so much. So, it'd be really fascinating. I've actually got one of the books right here that I've also been reading very slowly. Um, it's called The Forgetting River by Doreen um, Carvajal. And um, she was raised Catholic in California um, Mm -hmm. and discovered that her background um, could actually be connected to conversos in um, Inquisition era Spain. So Jews Mm. who were forced to renounce their faith and convert to Christianity. Um, And it talks about like genetic memory almost and, and like people like her family her she had aunties who just sort of spontaneously remembered these things and then she was able mm-hmm. to actually find evidence which is so fascinating um so yeah about like thinking about all these different things of like this is you know past stories of survival and traumatic times and um and here we are in our own and it's interesting to see sort of interesting on an academic sense and then also there's other senses <laughs> Um, but I've, yeah, I've, that's part of the reason why I haven't like read the yep. whole thing yet. It's just cause I've got to take it in bites. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. But yeah. Uh, well, Maya, it's been so much fun having you on the show. Where can our listeners find you? So I am on, um, twitter.com and um instagram and the tiktok um <laughs> badly on the tiktok i'm <laughs> i'm learning i'm i'm definitely very much that that gif of steve buscemi going like uh-huh. hello there fellow kids like that's me on tiktok um but i am a gallic word so it's myoch and it will be in the show notes i'm sure but it's it will uh, be in the show notes yeah, so I, I won't spell it out here but i am the same name on all of those places it means hair in gallic like the animal mm-hmm. not what's on my head i mean we don't know you could have a rabbit on your head i could yeah i could no one would ever know nobody would ever know except tara except tara who's currently licking her own arse so there's (laughs) classic yep (laughs) that glamorous author life of that glamorous author life (laughs) maya it's been so so much fun thank you once again for coming on the show thank you so much for having me i really appreciated the invitation this is lovely absolutely listeners stick around in two weeks when my guest will be Andy C. Buchanan. Yay, Andy! Yeah! (laughs) Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter, at TrunkCast, and I tweet at HBBisniex. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Don't self-reject.